You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. So good, Lena. Thank you so much for being here on Spark TV. Welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited. I've been binging all your episodes. Oh, thank you for saying that. I love them. Uh, But it's so nice to sit down with you and share a... Now, I've got bubbles today and you are vodka soda. I've got a a vodka. I've got a seltzer. That's my new fave at the moment. I know. A vodka seltzer is amazing, isn't it? Mm. So I love it. Sorry, I had to actually take a a sip because I'm one of those people that's completely paranoid about the uh, bad luck that's associated. Oh, the cheers. Oh, my God. Now I have to do it. Now I have to do it. Okay, okay. Juju is now fixed. Thank you. That's good. That's good. That's okay. We had to start out on the right foot. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. So let's start out by sharing with everyone a little bit about your story. So I know you from your amazing time at Lena and Fleur, um, obviously the gorgeous uh, fashion clothing label. Yes. However, you've recently moved on to new things. So I want to hear about it all. Um, but why don't we start with um, like the Lena and Fleur story, how you got started there and what that kind of journey has looked like. I'm super keen to hear the details. Yes, yes. Um, so I finished up with Lena and Fleur in July this year. I had made the decision in, it was about April that I made the decision, but we'll go back into that a little bit later. Yeah. Uh, but I started the label in my garage. You know, I'm that typical story where it was like I had a passion, I wanted to create clothing that gave women the confidence to be able to walk into any room. Mm. And I was just really focused on my craft. Mm. Like I knew that I had the amazing skills to be able to sculpt and tailor and make designs Mm. and create this beautiful product. And I was, I guess, just really had that blind faith about making it happen. I think Um, you have to, right? (laughs) Yeah, well, you have to, you have to. And I think so, yeah, 12 years ago, I had been, well, so 13 years ago, I had been working with Country Road. I was in the startup team for Trenary. So it was a really small, yeah, it was a really small team. And I was heading up all the technical aspect. And I loved my time there. It was so great, like such an amazing company, Mm. such an awesome experience. But I wanted to have my fingers in all the pies. Yes. You know, and I'd be <laughs> Sound like. Sound like a founder. Yes. Oh, totally. And I remember quite clearly sitting there with the uh, head of design. And I was going to her, oh, look, I've just got these ideas. I was wondering, you know, and she's like, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, but that's not really your lane. And I was like, I know, but I've been following the marketing and I just had a couple of ideas. And she's looking at me going, 
you have no idea. Get out of here, woman. Yeah, you, yeah, you have no idea how a big company works. Yeah. Um, but I had an amazing role there and, and jumped up really quickly with them. Mm. Uh, but like I said, it wasn't it wasn't ticking the boxes for me. So I left there and we had relocated down to Melbourne, my partner and I. And then exactly one year later, I made the decision that I wanted to leave and move up to Queensland. So, yeah, we came up to Queensland. My partner's family was up here uh, living in Burley and we'd finish the weekend, you know, the classic fish and chips on the beach. Oh, so good. So good. And that sun and that warmth after being in Melbourne. Mm. Uh, But also, you know, Queensland, Brisbane, Gold Coast was 30% less than Sydney as far as overheads. So I knew with starting the business, like I'd already had businesses in Sydney Mm -hmm. and I knew that if I was going to do it properly, I had to be really mindful of the investment that I had in order to be able to kick it off. So moving to Queensland was very strategic in that way. Mm -hmm. And I also knew there was a really strong manufacturing base here in Queensland as well. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm all about the Queensland sunshine, being a Queenslander myself. (laughs) But that's really interesting. I didn't realise that Queensland actually was a hub for manufacturing. Yeah, look, there's. I think in every city there's probably a lot more going on than you realise. Yes. And once you start connecting and finding all the people and, you know, I already had a network of suppliers that I'd worked with previously. Mm. So I was able to kind of gain insights as to where those manufacturers were as well awesome I love that yes yeah and so it's really interesting and not to derail your story but super interesting about um jobs and careers right like so many people are like oh I don't want the nine to five but I'm like no that you actually get such good networks such good experience on somebody else's money so that you can launch more successfully into your business so I love that you said that Oh, I totally agree. And even when I was at Country Road, you know, the whole time that I was there, I was very much going, as I was doing it, going, oh, how do they do swing tags? How do they do packaging? How do they do this? You know, just sort of cherry picking and and grabbing those bits of information to put together towards my business as well. Love that. So, yeah, I came up to Queensland and I keep wanting to say Queenstown because I'm (laughs) going away on holiday there tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. Anyway, um, but uh, when I started, I was teaching at the same time, you know, I had 13 grand cash that I had to launch a label. And wow. when you're talking about a product business, that's a really small amount of money yeah. uh, to do everything. Mm. So I sort of, I did the teaching at the same time, worked on the label and just honestly, it was really that just hustling, hustling, hustling to make wow. things happen. Um, and when I first started the label, like I went in going, right, I'm going to do, you know, your standard wholesale, uh, retail, that's going to be the market that I go into. Mm. And it just wasn't working for me. I, I couldn't get in with the manufacturers. I couldn't get in with the suppliers because I was competing against these brands doing these huge indent collections. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I came up with this idea where I was going to do mini collections, which meant I would be doing bi-monthly drops in stores. Awesome. And I knew it would get me in with the manufacturers. I knew it would eventually get me into the stores, but it Mm. took a good 12 months of just pushing, pushing, pushing to try and sell that concept into the stores. Mm. So, yeah, that was the early days. And then it, you know, obviously progressed. I could go on for hours and hours. So I don't want to get totally. too stuck in. Um, but about. And, and, three- obviously, and obviously direct to consumer like e-commerce was 
something it that wasn't, you pursued? Or? No, e-com, direct-to-consumer at that stage, really, it hadn't taken off at that point. Ah. Like when I left Country Road, they still didn't have an online store. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that was 2010. So, you yep. know, we have this perception that e-com's been around for so long. Yeah, wow. it hasn't. It's still really fresh. Wow, I cannot imagine a life before buying things online. No, I know. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> crazy, crazy. And, you know, mm. the stores were just sort of starting to freak out about the fact that people were selling online. Yeah, wow. So I had launched a store pretty much straight away and it was so dodgy. The platform, I was using Business Catalyst. Do you remember Business Catalyst at all? Yes, I do. I do. Yeah, terrible. Anyway, but had launched a store. But at that time, I was like, I can't believe that I've left a massive vertical and they're not, I'm online before they are. Wow. Yeah. So that's kind of, I think what I love about um, startups, small business, like, you know, people, you have the power to go after things, right? Like the bigger corporates can't always make those decisions quickly, you know, and the infrastructure that they need and the politics and, you know, all of those things and the, and the, I guess, worry about how it will impact their brand like there's so much limitations in a corporate sometimes you know when you're your own person and your own boss you can take those risks and and clearly pay have it pay off but I think also as well when you're in that startup stage you don't know what you don't know yeah also very helpful yeah so so you're like I don't know well won't we just do this because you're not going in with those pre-formed ideas Mm. about what the impact is you've got a little bit more of that well, why don't we just give it a go and see what happens? Yes, I love that. So anyway, so I was doing the traditional model and then about three and a half years in, I was introduced to Fleur, Fleur Richardson. Mm -hmm. And so we didn't know each other at all. We had had really sort of uh, weirdly, strangely paths that went alongside each other. You know, we'd studied at the same fashion college. Uh, She used to swim in my great aunt's pool in rural New Zealand. Oh, my God. Uh, Wow. Yeah, like all these weird, we drove the same car, went to the same doctor. It was bizarre. Yeah. But we'd never met. Um, But so she started mentoring me from the financial aspect. Mm. Uh, But really quickly, there was just a match for us straight away. And it was just one night that she sort of says, well, we're talking about something. And she said, well, unless, of course, you're looking for a business partner. And I was pregnant at the time. I had so much going on. I was like, yes, yes, I am. (laughs) And it really was kind Mm. of, it was that sliding doors moment for us that Mm. it happened that quickly. Wow. Uh, But for us at that stage of the business, it meant that we could take really specific lanes within the business to scale it as well. Amazing. That's so Mm. good. Yeah. So it was probably about two years, oh no, probably about 18 months after that, that mm-hmm. we switched to be pure play online. Okay. We had, uh, I had been dabbling with learning how to do Facebook advertising at that stage. Mm-hmm. And that was literally just when it had kicked off, I think. Wow. It was such early days and yeah. I did an Ezra Firestone course. You know, Ezra oh, Firestone. yes. Wow. Oh my God. I love him. Yes, me and too. My friend and I, Sky, who's the mm. owner of Ruby Olive, oh, we shared. Sky as well, yeah. Oh, she's amazing. But we shared the course. You know, that was back in those oh, days where you're cool. like, oh my God, 500 bucks. Like, the cost, we just, yes. We got to split the cost. We got to make this happen. Um, but we just sort of launched into it. And I think within, within a year, we had doubled revenue and we had wow. started to really capture an online audience in that time. Mm. 
That's amazing. And self-taught yourself, Facebook ads. Yeah. Wow. yeah. I've never had I've never had any formal training in marketing, advertising, or digital. Wow. Um, but I'm a like a craver for learning. Yeah. So if I've got something new and I can learn how to do it, and I think my mind just goes, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. <laughs> and so especially with digital, it's forever learning, right? Oh my gosh, there's something new comes out every mm. few months, doesn't it? We're yeah. always, you know, now we're going to be TikTok stars. We've got algorithm charts, yeah. like all of the things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guess, look, there's a huge journey in between there as well. But, you know, mm, when we're coming towards the, the the 12 year part, you know, that's where we'd hit the $10 million mark. Um, we had an amazing, very active audience as well. Yeah. You know, garments still selling out within 24 hours when we wow. had key pieces releasing. Yes. And about 8,000 women in the Facebook group, but oh the gosh. but active members around 85%, so huge. Wow, that is enormous. Yeah, yeah. So what prompted the decision to leave? Do you know what? It was interesting. I was listening to your episode you had, uh, you just released with Juliet Kirby. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, with Crack the Coconut. Yep. And when she was talking about burnout. Wow. And it yep. just, it really resonated with me. And mm. at that time, like we were under a huge amount of pressure. Yep. I think after last year when we had the really hard lockdowns between New South mm. and uh, Queensland, yeah. we were split across borders. So mm. Flora and I were split across borders. And that, which was right at the end. Do you remember that when it was that yeah. last? Yeah. And it was just an absolute nightmare. Mm. And I think at that point we had staff on both sides as well. Yeah. And we had a few staff stuck on the other side um, and, you know, values around uh, vaccination and everything as well. Oh, so my God, yes. Yeah, it was just hard. Mm. It was just hard and still really pushing to grow and scale the business as well. Yes. And that never stops, uh, does it? It doesn't matter. No, I mean, you just, you just sort of said like how successful you were, but it's it's always like you always seem to. That's it's ne- it's never a finish line with business, isn't it? It's always more, no. more, and more. Well, but I think that's kind of the beauty of it, though, isn't it? Like oh, that's absolutely. kind of like where it's like oh, I just want to be able to do other things, try other things in order to be able to make it look different from where it is today. Yeah. And there's always those little tweaks you can do. Yes. Um, but yeah, so that was all going, but we had a couple of managers leave and they were direct managers for me within digital and marketing. Mm. And I sort of took it on board and I tried to really fudge my way through it. I'm going to say mm. honestly. Yep. And I was breaking, like I was wow. actually breaking at the same time. Yeah, and I went away. My partner and I we went took the kids away on a camping trip, mm-hmm. and my son's nine and his boys fourteen and sixteen. Yeah, and we went away to Woody Heads, and it was right after the floods. It was like mosquito infested as well, wow. so it was not having a great time. Oh no! <laughs> but anyway, but you yeah. know, like you're like, I must relax. I must relax. I must relax. I must be a great mom. I must be a great mom. I must be a great mom. I'm so so good at camping. Let's do this. Mm. Um, but I think it was on day two, and Jeff had made a breakfast, and um, we were talking about who would take the rubbish out. I know this sounds so ridiculous. No, it's always the small things. Yes. Oh, but and I saying to the boys, well, come on, if you one of you guys can take the rubbish and they all just sort of walked away being kids mm. and I just and I just lost it oh yep and I was just like 
I can't believe this. We're here camping and can't anyone take out the rubbish and you know, and I just cringe even thinking about it. Yeah. And I, I turned around to look at Jeff and the boys and they were just standing there completely stunned. Wow. Like yep. and it who just who is this? Who's who this is mom? this? Yeah. Yeah. And it really mm. freaked me out actually. Mm. I just freaked me out. I sort of started to rain and went, right, Ari, we're coming home. My son and I were coming home. And I got home and I sat down right over there on my yoga mat looking yep. out and I sat there for about two minutes and message came in and I went, I'm done. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. Yeah. And isn't it interesting? I love that, you know, yes, there was a, a breakdown moment. All good. We all have them. But I like that you actually use that as an opportunity to listen to what was going yeah. on. I yeah. think that is so important. I've always been a really big believer in getting in touch with your intuition. Mm. You know, I, I very much act on my gut, but I also mm-hmm. do. I make sure I take the time to make sure I'm not listening to ego yes. and I'm listening to intuition, right? Yes. Um, but it was so strong. I just, and I sat on it. I sat on it for like a good week, mm. you know, and I just sort of melded over and went through all the scenarios of what that would mean. Mm. Um because 12 years of your life, right? My whole identity was attached to the business. Yeah. Yeah. So then what was that process like? Like how did you actually go about telling friends, telling family, telling your business partner, like navigating the actual leave, like your name is attached to the business? I can't imagine that that was just an easy process. No, definitely not. And I think with the name aspect, you know, because I've had lots of people ask me about that, Mm. you know, before we were Lena and Fleur, the brand was Lena Broughton. Mm. And then in 2020, we changed into, became Lena and Fleur. Mm. But it's a brand. Yeah. So it is my name. But, you know, we had 27 staff. We had a huge database of customers. It wasn't me. Yeah. It was a brand, if that makes sense, I even think- though obviously it is my name, (laughs) Um, but lots of conversations with my partner, um, really mulling over what it meant. He Mm. was, he was super surprised. He was not expecting that. I don't think anyone was expecting it, probably including me. Um, But the main part of the process was going through it with Fleur. You know, Fleur and I have been, had been in business for eight and a half years together. Mm. And for anyone who's got a business partner, you know, it is the roller coaster of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You got the peaks, you got the troughs, and you got all the curly bits in between. Um, But the one thing that Fleur and I have always done really well, I think because we didn't know each other going into partnership together either, Mm. we've always been really thorough with the paperwork side of the business Mm. so when we went in we had an agreement going into the business together and then as we got to those later stages we had a really solid shareholders agreement as well so it meant that when we did come to this situation we were both able to navigate it because we'd already made those decisions about how it would play out before then that is like put a pin in this a piece of advice because it is so so important isn't it you know it is 
whether you're in business, so I, so in my other business, Scrunch, um, I was in business with a partner mm-hmm. and you just, you know, when you go into business with, whether it be with a partner or whether it be with, you know, a business owner, you really do have rose colored glasses on. Oh, yes, you just think the world is your oyster. Like we're going to take over the world together. <laughs> well, even with Fleur, even though we didn't know each other, like I remember mm. us being in my backyard in Palm Beach, you know, champagne and, we're gonna do this right this is what we're gonna do and you know and but yeah the shareholders agreement definitely evolved over time Mm. like as the business grow grew um you know thanks to our amazing you know team of uh advisors that we had in the business Mm. so accountants and lawyers saying to us you need to have a solid shareholders agreement good yes so good yeah, so I think it all up, it probably took us about six or seven months for us to finalise that shareholders agreement. Mm. So I definitely don't think that, you know, for those who are out there watching this and who are looking at partnership, it's mm. not something, you know, those agreements don't happen quickly. And if you're trying to sign off on them quickly, you're probably signing off on the wrong thing. Yeah, you really, because I think you need to take time like to actually yes. sit with ideas because there's a lot that can go into them and a lot of different scenarios. And it's, you know, it is so exciting at the start and you are kind yeah. of, you know, thinking that everything's going to be fabulous. So I think you do actually need to take that time to sit and think, okay, what what would that scenario look like? And just give it time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, you know, when we were in that process, I honestly never thought that I was going to leave the business. Mm. So it wasn't until I was in that stage where I was like, I cannot ignore this message. I cannot ignore what every part of my body and bones is telling me, Mm. you know, I've, I've got to follow through with this. Um, And I was like, thank goodness we've got it there. Um, But when, when Juliet was talking the other week, you know, about burnout and I was Mm. like, you know, I don't know if you can relate to this, but at the time I was getting up, having CBD gummies in the morning so I could be calm. I was yogaing and meditating like every morning. Yeah. Love like, it, love I it. must meditate. I must <laughs> meditate, right? I must be a Zen business owner. <laughs> I must be amazing. Listening to like uh, st- stuff on the way to work, Audible, so that I could get into that zone yes. and then get to work, work like crazy, not eat yeah. anything for the whole day because you're literally running. Yeah. And then come home, race in the door, throw some food on for Ari and glass of wine trying to just calm the farm. Oh, my God. So you just described my life. Love that. Right. (laughs) How's that working for you? Yeah, really well, really well. It's the wine that I look forward to the most. (laughs) No, but I I love that you say this because I'm very much anti the um, to have a successful business, you have to wake up at 5 a.m. and journal and do all these things. Like I, you know, I thought when I, so when I started my business, I came from corporate. So this is a decade ago now. And I thought you had to do things in a certain way. You know, I thought Mm. that there was this formula for success. And so that's Scrunch, my other business. So we were a tech startup. So it was all about raising big amounts of capital and growing teams and doing things fast, fast, fast. And just in the last few years of, you know, kind of going, wow, this doesn't work for me as a human, I've gotten really deep on trying to find evidence of success in other ways. I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, I am a morning person. Like I have woken Mm. up at 5am my entire life. Yeah. Um, So I very much am a morning person, but I think when you're journaling and meditating with that forced energy, there's no point. 
Totally. There's nothing that you're going to create yeah. in that sort of space. You know, if you're really, and I and I do also think though as well that at different stages of growth in our business, it does require a bit more than what the average Absolutely. person would Absolutely. be prepared to give. Absolutely. So I don't for a second believe that it would have been easy sailing if I'd done it any other way. Mm. But I could have taken that time in the morning to just sit there and slowly have a cup of coffee or maybe a cup of tea, mm. not have caffeine, you know, and I think that would have mm. actually had a lot more impact than what I was trying to achieve with being the best of the best. Yeah. And also though, I think you don't know if you, you don't try, right? Like totally. I, I also love that, you know, there are seasons, everyone's talking about seasons of life at the moment. Yes. And, I, and I like how you said that, you know, and especially in the early days, if you want to do big things, I don't know if you can do it without working a little bit harder than most people are prepared to. Um, but, you know, there are seasons and sometimes we go hustle, hustle, hustle. And then we go, you know what? I really need to look after my family right now. So I've kind of got to dive back and yeah. But so, you know how you were saying about like with scrunch when you're going for the, you know, the funding and there's, and mm. I, and I know that culture, you know, Fleur and I had developed software for our business mm. that did all of our operations, apparel suite. Oh, and wow. yeah. And we, uh, we had developers actually do the developing, but we created it and it's still yeah. operational in the business now. Now. Wow! But we went into that startup land, mm. and so we'd won a weekend, and they're like, "Yep, you you've been put into the startup group, and you can start building out, you know, the platform." And you get in that whole thing. Oh yeah. And I think for me, it's that, and the tricky thing is with digital is there is a speed, mm. but I think the the levels of growth that we mm. put on ourselves that's mm. where a lot of the pressure comes. Like yeah. slow growth is actually amazing. Mm. And do you think, but, that, do you also think that perhaps we are the ones that put the most pressure on ourselves? Oh, I am the most competitive person with myself. Yeah. Like I, you know, I've done every single personality test thing that there is out there. I'm mm. not a competitive person except mm. with me. Yeah. And I'm constantly going, well, how are you better than yesterday? Yes. How are you better than last week? How yes. are you better than last year? Mm. And But I think with leaving the business, my perception of what better is, is mm. very different. So let's talk about that. What is, what's next? I know that you, I so saw I've been stalking you on Instagram, obviously, and I know that there are new things in the works. So what does the future look like? There, there are definitely new new things in the works. So, so while I'm saying I wouldn't have all this time and, and such <laughs> off. Oh, I know you. <laughs> it, it hasn't, you know, at the same time, this is my, it's my soul. I, it's my yeah. blood and my veins. I love mm. business. Mm. Uh, so I'm now offering business coaching. So mm. I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at working with ambitious women who are ready to grow and scale their business. And I know it's just a, it's a number, but who haven't hit the million dollar mark. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Because I know what it feels like when you're in that space and it just feels like that that's that first, that first step. And mm. there's actually 500 steps before that. Oh yeah. But when you're in it, especially with a product business, there's something about that million dollar number that uh, it just pushes you to drive to get to there. Yeah. And it's almost, you know, I mean, it is a little arbitrary, but hitting that does feel like an amazing, successful milestone, right? Like Absolutely. It's kind of that holy shit, I did it moment. Yes. 
Absolutely. And I guess for me, the really, you know, big thing that I want to be able to work with women on is that they're scaling a business that they love Hmm. um, and that it's created the way that they want it created, not to someone else's cookie cut model. Um, And that's where one-on-one coaching really comes into that. But also making sure that that million dollars comes with profit. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I am. Another thing, so being from startup land where it was yeah. all, you know, a decade ago, it was all raise as much money as you can, spend it, especially if it's on highly paid developers, yeah. and then just go out and raise money again. And yeah. so that's just, you know, and that was my first foray into business. So that's just what I thought was the priority. The norm. Totally. And it wasn't until I became a little bit more financially literate and got into very sticky situations yep. that I started actually understanding what was important. And that I didn't want to be on the capital raising hamster wheel. Oh, um, no. But also the market completely changed. Investors yeah. suddenly wanted to invest in profitable businesses. Investors suddenly weren't investing at different stages in, in the market and economic crises that we've been through over the last decade. So I could not be more on board with the idea of understanding profit in your business and making it the number one priority. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because I think that, you know, I love that there's a real push and change to have purpose-driven businesses with a real Mm. vision and stuff. But at the same stage, I think we forget to talk about the fact that business must make money. Yes. (laughs) Because if you're not making money and you've been working your booty off Mm. for goodness knows how long, Mm. it's not going to be fun anymore. No, exactly. And, you know, we're not in business to be a charity, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I also think as well, you know, now that I've been through the process and I've been able to exit the business successfully Mm -hmm. and be in a really good financial position, Mm -hmm. it means that, you know, for me, freedom also comes with abundance. Oh, They go hand in hand. And, you know, I, and I think that if you're doing incredible contributions to the community in other ways, whether it's that you're participating things or you're donating mon- money mm. to organizations that you love, yeah. then again, you can't do that unless you're making really good money. Exactly. Yeah. I, I had a great person once say to me, um, impact and profit don't have to be mutually exclusive. Mm. So, and in actual fact, yeah, exactly what you just said. You know, if you don't have the profit, how do you make the impact? Yeah, exactly. mm, I just, I love that so much. So thinking about women in business, what are your, you know, reflecting on the last 12 plus years in business and this new foray, um, what are the big lessons that, you know, us as women in business really need to be thinking of when we're getting started? Great question. Too uh, big, too big. Like, okay, we need another no, bottle of wine no, and another no. ale. <laughs> well, I was going to, oh, where do you start with that one? But I yeah. think, you know, based on the numbers is know your numbers. Yes. And, you know, I never thought that I would be the person to say that that's the number one thing, you know, because mm-hmm. I've got a very creative mindset, mm. but you have to know your numbers. Yes. And I think the other thing is as well, is that you need to be able to read and learn and understand contracts. Mm. So that doesn't mean that you have to be a lawyer. It doesn't mean that you have to be an accountant. Mm -hmm. But if you literally just take the time to read contracts slowly, you're smart enough Mm -hmm. to be able to understand what you do know Mm -hmm. and ask questions where you don't. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think the other thing as well is really understanding and reflecting on a regular basis where you are, where you've come from, 
and where you're heading. Because I'm a really big believer in making practical and simple steps to get from where you are to get to where you want to go. But if you don't know where you are right now, then you can't work out the gap in between. Yeah. So, and then one more I've got, do it your way. Mm, Like just do it your way. And and it doesn't matter if that's not the way that it's done. Mm. Um, Every single major success that we have in our business was through us doing it the complete opposite to what we were told. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I just saw this, um, a couple of people chatting on Instagram about things, and it's really interesting that you bring that up because, you know, there's some coaches and mentors and programs who kind of are a little bit more, I guess, advice-driven and you've got to do it this way, you've got to do it this way. And it's really put people off growing in their business because it hasn't yeah. felt right or they've made the wrong decision. So I love that you just said that, that do it your way, because that's also what sets you apart in business. You know, oh. it, it makes you show up for your business because you love it, but it also helps differentiate you. I agree. And I mean, if we're talking about, you know, the biggest medium at the moment, which being video, right? Mm. If you're someone that doesn't love doing video, A, I think you should start practicing because the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if it's not your jam, while you're gaining the confidence to be able to do that sort of thing, you have to do other things first. So if you're just being told, no, that's what you've got to do. You've got to do that. You've got to do that well, there's usually only one way that you're going to do and it's falling backwards, right? Because you go, well, I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I can't Mm -hmm. do any of that stuff. I'm not going to be able to succeed. Instead of, hold on a second, why don't I try something else? Mm. There's always a path. Always, always. Oh, I love it so much. You are fantastic, Lena. Thank you so much for coming on Spark TV and sharing your story and your wisdom. You are absolutely incredible. Thank you. Thanks, Danielle. I really appreciate you having me on here. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.